Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Today, men, I'm going to be talking with you again, as well as every lady in the house. This is the fourth part of my series on godly masculinity, and today my message is entitled, Be Strong. Be Strong. So I'm wrapping up this series today, and I want to thank you guys, so many of you. You took the challenge last week to dive into the book of Proverbs with you. I've seen a lot of you on the City Life app, excuse me, on, on the Bible app, going through the book of Proverbs. Men, thank you so much. Now you see, like, you just the first, I think it's the first seven uh, chapters of the book of Proverbs, it all starts off by saying, my son, listen to me. And so now you're beginning to see what I'm talking about, how this is extremely relevant, and, uh, and I love the book of Proverbs. It's interesting because in my Bible plan as I'm reading through the Bible, uh, which is a different plan that I'm on, I'm hitting the Proverbs also, so I, I like getting a double dose, which I, which I absolutely love that. But, uh, but if you go to the Creator, God Himself, uh, He is the one who uh, he brought about the original design, and He is the one that we go to discover how we are actually wired, and our best um, our best. Design, I guess you could say, our best model for uh, masculinity is Jesus Christ Himself. He is God. He is God. He is God the Creator. He is God living in the body of a man. And His creation, His creation was actually formed. And He, he created this, this man. He formed, He forged this man and put him together. And, and it's, it's very interesting because in Jesus, men, in Jesus, we find our identity. In him, we find our best role model. And it is the responsibility of the church to support and to encourage every single man to walk in the steps of Jesus. And that's what I'm doing today. Now, Peter, he was one of Jesus' very closest friends, and, uh, and, and he... he was, I guess you could say, the most passionate of all the disciples. And he wrote these words in 1 Peter 3, 7. He said, treat your wife with understanding. Now, just start off here. That does not come natural for most men. Uh, most, for most men, they're, they're, they're just not hardwired to be like keen observers of their, their wives and to understand them. And men, we tend to miss very obvious signs that our ladies are putting out there. And, but if we can learn to watch those signs, it will avoid, you'll be able to avoid a lot of... Is somebody nudging you over there, sir? Okay, just making sure. <laughs> but but, but if, uh, if we learn to watch those signs, then you're going to avoid a lot of heartaches and headaches because you'll be able to see some of the warning signs that are there. So, so man, I want you to go back to that scripture. Treat your wife with understanding. And I'm still learning this. I think every man is on his journey to continue to learn this. But I'm a whole lot better than I used to be, thank God. And my wife says, praise the Lord for that. Now, women, on the other hand, they are very, very keen observers. In fact, they understand a husband's 
patterns. They understand how a man is likely to respond before a situation even happens. If you were able just to follow me and my wife around for a day, she would from time to time say, okay, now we're about ready to walk into this situation. Now do or don't do this because she knows and like how I'm going to respond. She's how I might respond or how I'm likely to respond. And she'll coach me on that. I, I, I appreciate it. Sometimes I'm like, why? Why are you telling me? But then I have to remember she knows me better than I know myself. And sometimes she'll, she'll say, okay, I'm going to tell you something, but I, don't, I, I just want you to stay calm until I finish saying it all. Why? It's because she knows how I might respond. And, and I, I love that. Uh, also, mothers know their sons better than the sons know themselves. And so that's why it's important that, that you know, sons also listen to their mother's wisdom. Now, uh, women, women, they... They don't, though, really understand themselves as much as they understand men. And that's part of the whole mix of this thing. And so that's why I've designed this series of messages, because it's not just for men, it is also for women. These messages help us both. And one of the other things I have to say is, is this is the last time I have to say this, because the last sermon in the series, but, but if you are a single lady and you're looking for that potential man, you need to look for these four principles that I'm sharing with you, these four qualities that I'm sharing with you in this series, and see that those qualities are in the man that you might marry. Because, because he's going to change over time. Don't just look at the external. You've got to look at the internal. Uh, I like uh, Edwin Lewis Cole. He's a, he's a renowned um, minister for, uh, for, for men and has for, he for many years poured himself into men. But he, he made this statement. He said, men, excuse me, women dream of men in the ideal, but they marry the real. It's because a lot of times a woman will have this ideal of what that man is going to be like, but it doesn't turn out being that way. So this series helps you, to, it helps you to see these things that are under the surface. So women, this is actually extremely valuable to you. And also for those of you who are married, to use these as things that you can be praying for and encouraging, not trying to hammer, but to encourage in the men that you're married to. Now, regarding man. Adam was first of all employed by God before he was married. So the first man, what he did is he took care of the garden. God put him in the middle of this garden and he took care of it. And as a working man with few distractions, he was able just to pour himself into that. He took his, he took his, uh, uh, he took his career very, very, very seriously. And in the meantime, God he entrusted man with, the, uh, with, with a promotion. He said, okay, you're doing good taking care of the garden, so I'm going to give you a promotion. So he got an extra job on top of his first job, and he was going to get to name every single animal in the animal kingdom. And that was pretty cool. So he basically had two jobs, but there was no woman in existence. So, of course, he focused on his career at that time. Now, since Adam had his work before he had his wife, Adam was a man on a mission. He was definitely a man on a mission. That's why men today primarily uh, identify themselves with their work, 
with their career because men tend to be extremely mission-minded, and that, that helps you, uh, women to understand how men are. But men, we also have to be very, very careful of what I would call the sin of transposition. The sin of transposition is when you flip everything and you, you, you actually put your career first and then you put some other people around you second and you put your family last. That is the sin of transposition. You have to be very, very careful about that. And that is a huge temptation for every man and God will give you the encouragement to not do that. In fact, I want to highly applaud every single man who's in this room who's here because you are actually saying, my life, my godliness, my righteousness, my desire to grow as a man of God is is huge. It is very, very important. And because you're here and because those of you who are watching online, you're, you're locked in with us today. Because of that, you're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better father. You're going to work better on the job. And that is, that, that's going to fall over and spill over into every area of your life. So I applaud you for that. But, but a, a man's wife really shouldn't have to compete with a man's career. Uh, just to get his uh, his time and his affection, there has to be a balance. And so, so there for every family, for every couple, there that balance is a place that that you simply have to find. But it, but but it is hard for a man because a man is simply on a mission, and and uh, it gets worse when you're when you're a minister. It really is. I, I believe it's worse because I'm on a mission from God. You know, yes, I, I'm here. I'm a mission from God to save the world. And sometimes she said, yeah. And part of that is me and my family. It's like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. But, but the scriptures also say this. Most pastors are not going to preach this. I'll just say that right up front because they're not man enough to. Yeah, I just said that. They're not man enough to. Most pastors are not going to say this, though, is that one of the primary qualifications for a man to be a minister is that he takes care of his family and he takes care of his wife. Do you realize that? It's the number one. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to have a degree. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to have all this training. Sometimes people look at all that and say, oh, look, how wonderful. The Bible says, look at a man, how he takes care of his family before you even consider him to be a pastor. Family skills are actually required. So, again, you've probably never heard that before because pastors won't preach about that because they don't want their lives to be examined. But I'm okay. I'm an open book. So, are you guys with me today? All right. Rebecca and I are also, I want you to know, we are an inseparable team. Um, I, I've learned through the years, I didn't know it up front because I thought I knew everything, but I've learned through the years that I will value her input. I'm going to value her. Uh, she is my support system. She's my accountability factor. Not my accountability partner, but she's my accountability factor. She's, she's my balance. She's the one who ministers to me personally and deeply, and I appreciate that so much. And remember, Genesis chapter 2.18 says that God created the woman to help the man. And so today, please, women, understand this. Women, uh, I, I know that you really want to help that man. You really want to help him out, and that is part of your role. That's part of the way that God designed you. And the thing is, women, you know that they need your help. You know that already. But the problem is with us men is we don't know that, and we can't see that, and we don't understand that. Because men, what we are is we're mission-minded. In fact, we're mission-minded to the point of absolute stubbornness, and then we misinterpret our wives' uh, efforts to help us 
to, to keep things balanced or to help point us in the right direction. We misinterpret that as control, and then we often react, and that's one of the dangerous things that we have, we, that we have to be aware of. And it's, it's important to notice that both men and women need to therefore get a better understanding of the values and the patterns and the principles that work for both men and women, because when you begin to understand both, you're going to find the relationship is going to sink so much better. You see, since the very beginning of time, men, excuse me, women have wanted their man to be strong. They have. It's only until recently that women uh, have, have not necessarily needed, I guess you could say, their husbands to be physically strong. Uh, but, but historically, I mean, that, that was an essential because the physical strength was there to provide for the family and to protect the family and to protect her from danger. And in most of the world, though, still today, men basically serve as bodyguards for their women. And they, they have to be physically strong so they, are, uh, so they can be strong providers. Uh, but again, in developed nations like we're in today, it's not as significant as it once was. I do believe it to be very important, but it's not as significant as it once was. But it's been replaced by something. Because women still need men to be strong. But primarily right now, a woman needs a man to be emotionally strong. A woman needs emotional security, men. And that's very critical for us to understand that. And that's not as easy as being physically strong. It, it really isn't. It's, it's easier and it's more natural to provide physical, uh, physical protection because it just comes with nature. That's just the way we're built as men. But this is an important, important message for you guys is the kind of strength that your woman really, really wants has very little to do with your quads and your biceps and your abs. All right? It really does. has very little to do with that. The strength that she needs, it... It, it, it absolutely cannot be earned at the gym. It really comes about from the decisions that you're making on a regular basis and the life that you've chosen to live, which brings me to the important quality I'm talking about today in godly masculinity, and here it is. This is the fourth one. Genuine strength is a matter of integrity, not physicality. It has to do with integrity. Strength is the fourth most important quality of godly masculinity. First, there was maturity and then decisiveness and consistency, and they built on one another kind of like a pyramid. And at the top is strength, because, but, but you can't really have strength until you have those other three in place. So we're building on the foundation today of the three other principles that I've been sharing with you. We're capping it off with strength. Now, now I, I do want to say this. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a strong physical body. I'm not against that. I'm not against the gym. I do that myself. I think it's a good thing. But it's not specifically what a woman needs, and it's not specifically especially what godly masculinity is all about. Now, you might go to the gym and say, there's a lot of masculine dudes there. Well, it might be some form of masculinity, but godly masculinity doesn't have to do with muscles. So the strength I'm talking about is this. Strength is this. Strength is, here's your definition, it is the courage to live out your Bible-based convictions. It's the courage to live it out. It's the willingness to stand up for the things that you believe in, even if everyone else believes something totally different. It's this un flinching determination that you're going to be the kind of man that God wants you to be and you have enough of God's word in you and God's spirit is in you that you are able to stand up. See, real strength is what will cause a woman to want to follow a man. 
Real strength is found by following another man, men, and that man's name is Jesus Christ. That's where real strength is. Real strength is saying, I want to submit to the ultimate man, which is Jesus Christ. Now, the scriptures teach us that, uh, that most people actually follow the crowd, but they don't really know why they're doing it. But a strong man, catch me here, men, a strong man thinks about what he's doing before he does it, and he refuses to just do something that everybody else is doing. In other words, a strong man is not driven by his emotions, and a strong man is not driven by the crowd. Now, this does not mean, though, that you're a rebel. (laughs) It means that you're mature, you're decisive, and you're consistent, that you have those things down. And it also doesn't mean that, well, I'm just going to do something that's different from everybody else in society. I'm just going to kind of be my own person and and float around. Now, that's that's actually immaturity. You got to go back to the first step again. But but men, you have to understand, in this culture today, as well as all through history, There's a fight that's going on for your soul, and you need to fight for your soul, and you need to fight for the souls of the people who are around you. That includes your family. That includes your marriage. That includes the people within your sphere of influence. David, the father of Solomon, shared with you this last week, right upon the time of his death, he says, I am going the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm about ready to pass away. So he tells his son, be what? First words out of his mouth, be what? Strong. So he said, okay, great, I'm going to go do some push-ups. I don't even know if they had invented push-ups at that time. All right? So, so he's going to be strong, but you know it's not t- just talking about some kind of physical strength. Be strong and prove yourself a man. Now, in my men's discipleship group uh, last Monday evening, uh, one of the topics was I, I asked, man, I read this, this scripture to them, and I asked them, okay, I'd like for you guys, without any prompting, without telling them what I thought about that, knowing that I'm preaching on being strong today, but I hadn't told them that yet, you know. I said, okay, what does it mean? What does the scriptures mean here and in other places where it speaks to men to be strong? What does it mean to be strong? And so they just started sharing, and I started jotting down their answers. I want you to listen to this, because I was really impressed with their answers. We didn't, uh, there, there was no probing deeply. We didn't even deeply discuss it. Guys just started throwing things out. Listen to this. And these are some, some of the men right here in our church. This is pretty awesome. Here's a question. I wrote this down in my, in my book. It says, what does the, the biblical challenge for men to be strong actually mean? That's the question. So, so here are answers. Di- to be disciplined. To not be overly busy. Knowing and living God's word. The ability to resist the enemy. And the person who said that was, you know, you don't want just a really nice, weak person because they're not going to have the ability to resist the enemy. Sometimes you've got to get in the enemy's face. I'm talking about spiritual warfare here. Sometimes in real life too, you know. It's the opposite of passivity. It is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. It is the ability to rule. It is the ability to deal with conflict. It is walking with confidence. It means you're under authority, and it means you are not, not easily offended. It means you're mentally tough. You're not going to give in to your emotions, and you're not a people pleaser. I mean, they, they finished that list, and it was awesome. Later at the very end of the meeting, I said, hey, I'm going to share that on Sunday. They were like, oh, wow. That's it. With no names attached, but I'm very, very proud of, of these men for, for understanding and knowing that. But we all have to understand and know that. Now, there's a man in the Bible who understood this principle of godly masculinity, and he's one of the best examples of it outside of Jesus Christ. And his name is Paul. And Paul was a 
passionate, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And look what he said. I'm going to put this up on the screens on 1 Corinthians 6.13. He said, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Be strong. This is all through the scriptures, guys. It's all through the scriptures. Now, the same man wrote some other things. <laughs> he, he wrote a lot of the, the, uh, the letters that are in the New Testament. And so, I'm going to refer you over to the scripture I asked you to look up a few minutes ago, and that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So please go ahead and look over that, because this is, this is the critical scripture I want you to get, look at. And I want you to get this into your heart. See, Paul had, had traveled the world. He had spread uh, the message of Jesus back in the ancient days. And, and, uh, and, and th- this man actually personified godly masculinity. He actually lived this thing out of being strong. He understood what strength was. And so what he does here in this passage of scripture is he's writing to a church. He, he describes using military terminology. So he takes the military terminology and he puts it into this, this, uh, this image of what a Christian should look like. And he then, he then tells people, he, he tells the listeners here, be strong. And then he says, why? And he says, how? It's a pretty interesting uh, passage of scripture. He says, be strong. Now here's why you need to be strong. And here's how you need to be strong. Take a look at this. This is good. Ephesians chapter number six, verse 10 from the NIV. He said, be strong. Come on, say those two words with me. Be strong. This is all through the Bible. Look at it. Some of y'all, when you get done with church, just start looking up every place in the Bible. It says, be strong. You'll be reading the rest of the day. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the ultimate strength right there. You see that? Now he says, put on the full armor of God. Now he's moving into this military terminology. Why? Here's the why. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Please know this. The devil is not passive. Therefore, passive men fall prey to an aggressive force from hell called Satan and all of his demons. That's why I call men out of passivity. We cannot become passive. I know the culture says, be passive. Just do your little thing and go ahead and party on the weekends and do whatever feels good to you. That is passivity, and the enemy controls men like that, like a marionette controls a puppet. But he says, you need to do this, be strong, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's full of trickery. He's full of deceit. And he will, he will come at you from the side angle. He'll come at you from all different angles to pull you down and destroy you. Now look, he says, again, here's part of the why. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, get this. So the whole thing of being strong is not about being against other people. Against other people. Like, I'm not against all the people that were downtown yesterday marching down the street and saying things. I'm not against the people. I'm against the spirit of hell that drives people to do such things. So, so our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So that's speaking of different uh, levels of demonic activity. That's really what all that means. Therefore, okay, that's the why. Therefore, here's the how. Here's how we be strong. Put on the full armor of God. Think militant. Think militant. So that 
when the day of evil comes, not if, not maybe, not well, it might happen. No, when? Because it does come. It has come for some of you this week. It came from some of you last month. It's some of you, it's coming next week. These, the days of evil come. Bad things happen. So that when the devil's schemes are being worked out on you, here you are, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, you're still going to be standing. In other words, you're not going to be taken down. Oh, this is good. Come on, let's look at it. So stand firm then. Here's the how. Stand firm. Get your feet planted on the ground. With a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Again, military terminology. He's describing uh, a, a, a soldier there, the importance of the belt. I'm not going to get into a lot of symbolism here, but that belt. But he's just, think of, of truth as being about your person of truth. Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. No soldier goes into battle barefoot. I'll hang out barefoot around my house, but if I'm going to leave the house, I'm going to put some shoes on. And sorry, ladies, I'm not going to do flip-flops, all right? Uh, that's, you know, I, I do that at the beach or at the gym shower because Lord knows. I just I, Okay, but... But I'm going, but, but you've, you've got to have that, and the, the, those shoes are the gospel of peace. In other words, you are walking as a militant person, but you're doing it with the gospel of peace because the gospel is the only thing that changes people's lives. So everywhere you go, you're an image of the gospel. Jesus is shining through you, and that gospel of peace is coming out of you. Ah, this is good. Those are fighting words. How does peace and fighting come together? Oh, it does. Trust me, that's called Christianity. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now, there's the defensive weapon. What is the sword of the Spirit? It's the Word of God. The Word of God. Men, why do you think I'm challenging you to read through Proverbs? Why am I challenging you to be in the Word of God? Why do I challenge you to read through the Bible in a year or two years or five years or whatever your pace is? Because that is that sword, that is your sword of the Spirit. That is the Word of God. And it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In fact, tonight's going to be, this is going to be a house of prayer. It's going to be a house of worship and the word. So the, all of these things that I'm talking about right here, tonight at the In His Presence gathering, that's where we actually get equipped with these things. See, it's not just a bunch of preaching, but it's an atmosphere completely radical different from a Sunday. It doesn't even look like a Sunday morning in here when we do our, our In His Presence gatherings. But it's, it's, a, it's an atmosphere where you are getting armed and you're getting ready and you are able, you will leave here, you will leave here empowered, you will leave here strengthened, and that's, that's simply why we do it. Okay, so this actually tells us in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, it tells us about this strength. And this true strength resides with inside of a man. It's the way, and it's, it's how we use our strength against darkness and not against people. I do not believe we should be using our strength against people unless you are protecting. And if you have to use your strength against people to protect, it is absolutely, fully, completely appropriate. Now, true strength allows a man to stand his ground, just to stand his ground. You're not going to give in to the pressures of the crowd. For example, 
I'm, I'm not one to talk negative about other churches and pastors. You know I don't do that. So because I have no idea what any churches or pastors are doing today because I'm here and I'm not paying attention, I, will, I can easily make this statement. Pastors who call themselves Bible-believing pastors who will not stand strong against the culture of child sacrifice in our nation because they are afraid. I don't care how buff they look. I don't care how cool their clothes are. I don't care how fancy they are. I don't care how many followers they are. And I don't care how big their churches are. Please understand, they are not strong. They are weak. And I don't like following weak leaders. That's just the way it is, folks. That's the way it is. See, but, and, and also, true strength is not by just throwing your weight around. It's not about posturing. It's not about being a bully. I mean, Jesus, Jesus himself, he was strong. And he wasn't a bully. But he was a servant. One time I got challenged on this. saying, well, he was. Jesus said some mean things. He said some things that were not nice. If you were here last Sunday, I said... There's nothing about godly masculinity that says you're supposed to be nice. No, there were times when Jesus just simply was not nice. What was he doing? He was standing up to the bullies. Read the Bible. He was standing up to the bullies, and he was protecting other people, and he was protecting the, the foundation of the Word of God. He stood up to the bullies, and he was also a servant, which means we have to be also and meaning, meaning that you're, you're a servant doesn't mean that you're just soft and that you're wimpy. No, and being a servant means that you're smart. It means you want to be like the strongest man who ever walked on this earth, and that man is Jesus Christ, because he had the ability to resist sin while living in a human body his entire life. Now that, my friend, is strength. Yeah. Please understand, men, your strength is not demonstrated by some machismo attitude. It's not it's not shown by using abusive language. It's not shown by your physical strength or your outbursts of rage. That is not godly masculinity. That's called sin, all right? That's not strength either. And really, when a person acts like that, what it is, what's coming out of the individual is insecurity and immaturity that's masquerading. It's putting on a show to act like there's strength here, and it's inspired by a chemical called testosterone, but it's misdirected. What is mis- the testosterone is misdirected by weak men. Testosterone is misdirected by men who do not embrace godly masculinity. That's a man who has no self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So then... If you're dealing with that, you actually have to go back to point number one, which I shared four weeks ago, which is you need to be mature. So the scriptures say this in in Psalm chapter 19, verse 22. It says, a man's kindness makes him attractive. See, kindness is not weakness. Kindness actually takes incredible strength and resolve. And sometimes, men, when you don't feel like being uh, kind, but you, you, you know you have to, I'm going to psych myself up. I am going to be, I'm going to be strong by being kind. And I'm going to be really, really kind here. I'm going to be kind. If you have to keep telling yourself to be kind, good. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. God, help me to be kind. God, help me to be kind. Because that is strength in action. That means if you can be kind, you have developed developed these inner muscles. It's all about self-control. Again, go back to the fruit of the Spirit. Now, these traits that I'm talking about, they don't come easy. They don't. They have to be developed, just like uh, physical muscles have to be developed. 
you're going to go to the gym and work out, you start working out, and what it does is actually breaks down the muscle tissue, and then it has to be healed back so that, so that muscle is developed. And that's actually what God does with us. He kind of breaks us, and then, and then he begins to heal us back, but we come back stronger and stronger and stronger, and it's more difficult right up front. Just like if you're going to go to the gym, you start working out, I'm going to lift weights, I'm going to go in there every day. After the second day, you're going to quit probably uh, if, you, if you're, if you're going to give in to the pain because the pain is going to be intense. But here's the beauty of it. If you keep going to the gym all the time, you keep working out, the pain doesn't happen like that at all. The pain basically goes away. There'll be little bouts of it here and there, but it's going to be nothing like the first week. Why? It's because now your body says, okay, I get this. I'm in learning mode. I'm in growing mode, and I'm going to be all right. And that's what God wants to do for you. Press through the pain at first, man. Press through the pain at first. And you develop muscles physically by, by a lot of focus. I mean, it has to do with your diet. It has to do with sleep. It has to do with discipline. It has to do with exercise. If you can get that together, then those things are going to work. But it's the same exact way with your inner muscles. If you're going to have godly masculinity, you're going to grow in strength. It's going to happen over time. It's not going to happen overnight. And women, please know this, is that a man, as he's developing his strength, it will take time. But, but, but celebrate the small victories. Celebrate those little victories because he's growing in his strength. And a lot, of times, yeah, a lot of times you've just got to really pull out the stops and do something crazy like get a trainer. I remember when I broke my, uh, broke my patella, which means I split my kneecap right in half by tripping over somebody here in front of our building who was sleeping out here one morning, 5 a.m., and I, I, it, was, it was not a pleasant experience. I'll never forget when I was uh, a few weeks into this thing of my leg being locked down, all the muscle in my leg had turned to flab. I mean, I could just like squeeze. I thought, there's nothing there. It kind of scared me because I, I thought, where did it all go? There's just like the muscle is gone. And I talked to my doctor. I said, yeah, remember me telling you about atrophy? I'm like, that's what atrophy is? This is terrible. This is terrible. How am I ever going to walk? And I remember when they took it off and they, and they, they were going to, to, to check me out. They, they said, okay, great, great. Your knee is healed. We're ready to start the rehab. So they were laying down. Rebecca was with me. And they said, okay, lift your leg. And I, I, I said, I can't. I can't lift my leg. I was laying down on the thing. Just lift your leg just a little bit. I can't. So, okay, that shows you, you have, your muscle is basically gone. So you're going to be starting over. And so I had to do six months with therapy, physical therapy. And then, for, then in order to get the muscle balanced out between my legs, I spent a year with a personal trainer just to get my legs back to normal. And sometimes, you know what? You need a trainer. You need someone who's going to be with you to nudge you. And, and that, that's why, man, I think it's important that you, first of all, go to the one who originally designed you. Go to the one who originally designed you, and please understand, the re- the, one of the reasons you're going to get your... I, I looked for the best physical trainer in Fort Worth that worked at the gym that I go to, and I found one who was a, was a kinesiologist. Is that, is that saying that right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you guys know. I don't know. But, but I just saw that and looked it up. Okay, that's what I want. That's a guy who specializes in this. He knows it. And I went and said, so what do you do? He goes, well, I, I do this, but I also teach at the college. I teach all this stuff. Okay, good. Then, then you know about how to build muscle. So I went to a person who understood the makeup of a human being, 
I went to doctors who understood the body. And you know what? Men, if we're going to grow, if we're going to grow and we're going to become stronger mentally and emotionally, stronger in our spirit, we need to go to the Word of God and we need to go to God Himself. We need to let the Holy Spirit work in us. And we need to go to some other men who maybe are further along the, the path than you and just begin to build relationship because a strong man is going to sharpen another man. That's just simply going to happen. So... First thing you got to do, though, is you need to ask God to transform you. you you, you got to remember this. God originally formed you, so now you need to ask for him to transform you. Remember this, men, is that we all, to some degree, are broken men. We live in a fractured world, so we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed. Now, here's, this is interesting because... As of now, it is a very, very popular word in our culture, the word trans. <laughs> and it's, they're taking an affix, they're taking a prefix, and they're making it a, a distinctive of a person who has chosen. It's interesting because they have actually chosen to transform themselves against the God who created them a certain way. That's actually what that is. They're transforming themselves into something that God said, no, that's not my design of you. See, that's actually an act of rebellion against God, and it's spiritually dangerous. And, uh, but men, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about asking God to transform you, meaning that he is going to repair the broken pieces in your life, and he's going to deal with the things that men so love to hide in themselves, and it's going to result in immense, immense, huge inner strength. But being transformed again is not an overnight experience. It's, it's a challenge. My challenge again is be transformed. One of, the, one of the things we have coming up here in just a few weeks is called the Holy Spirit Workshop. That's going to be on a Saturday from 9 till noon, and I am inviting everyone to come. There's no cost for this. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to be here for three hours, and we're going to learn who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, how he operates. You receive a fullness of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is one of our annual events that is, that is just one of our favorite events to do. A lot of you, you come year after year after year because you understand the power that's behind this, this morning event on Saturday, I believe it's the 23rd of July. Man, that's something to go to because that's an atmosphere, again, where you're going to be, you're going to learn about how God strengthens you and how God will change and transform you. So again, men, I want to go back to, and the, the tickets, you have to actually have the ticket for that, so it's on the City Life app. But, but men, I really want to get back to those original four traits. They are all built upon one another, and godly masculinity starts off with this number one is maturity. On top of maturity is built decisiveness. On top of decisiveness is built consistency. And today, on top of consistency is built strength. Strength. Women, when you encounter a man who has these traits, you have encountered Godly masculinity. You've not encountered perfection because no man will be perfect. But you've encountered godly masculinity. Men, ladies, a godly man is mature. He doesn't engage in childish pursuits. He, he resists the temptation to react and behave impulsively. He doesn't procrastinate. He's not a perpetual teenager. Also, a godly man is decisive. He makes choices, and he makes them confidently, and he makes them quickly, and his wife doesn't have to fear his leadership because he's not going to be all over the place 
Because she will know that his decisions are based upon principles which are acquired from God's word and from experience. Also, a godly man, the third one is, he is consistent. He will not let his guard down and he will not, uh, he will just not uh, be laying around all the time. And his wife knows that. So she doesn't have to fear that. She, She knows that his words and his actions are going to be consistent because they will be based upon the values and the principles that he has mined from the word of God and from other men that are sharpening him and it's instilled into his character. And finally, a godly man is strong. His wife can look to her husband and feel proud of him because he lives out the, he lives out of the courage and the integrity that he has, which is based upon his principles and his values. In other words, his chemistry is under control. He's strong. She doesn't have to worry that, that he's going to be weak and that he's going to waver because he's constantly living in accordance with Scripture-based convictions. And no matter what the crowd says, he will be strong. He's solid, he's masculine, and he's godly. So where do we go with all this? Well, first of all, men, it is critical that you let go of the mistakes you made yesterday. you got to let them go. You need to throw them off. Because those mistakes or those sins, they're hindering your race. You need to ask God to forgive you for the sins you committed yesterday. And I don't mean literally like on Saturday, but in the past. Just ask God to forgive you. And He will completely, hear me, this is so good, He will completely erase them as if they never happened. Do Do you get that? Only, only God can do that. That is supernatural. He will erase them. He will completely forget them. You don't even have to go back to God and keep repenting of the same sin over and over because, because he forgot and you're saying, God, forgive me of what I did back in, I don't know, some of y'all like to say, like 1972. Like, God's like, what? What are you talking about? I don't, I don't remember anything from back then. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you see, God forgives. Put it behind you. And that's one of the beautiful things about being a follower of Jesus Christ. That's actually an advantage that we have in life uh, over the rest of the world is that we can live as forgiven people. We're forgiven. <laughs> and the beauty of it, men, women, everyone, we're forgiven, and we don't even deserve it. That's the beauty of the gospel of peace. So to apply this teaching... I, 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 men, you need to let go of all the distant maybes, like, well, maybe then, maybe then, maybe here, maybe here, I don't know. Just instead, do this. Just concern yourself with today. Concern yourself with the man that you can be today, this day, today, which is Sunday, the 26th of June. What man can I be today? When you begin to do that on a day-by-day basis, that's the beginning of this. Concern yourself with the man that you can be today. Today you make the new beginning. And promise yourself that you're going to be operating in these four traits. Now, some of you men, you need to go back to the City Life podcast or go back to the videos and and find them wherever you find them and, and, and listen to these messages over and over and over again because it's going to get massaged into your heart more and more. It's going to help you to continue to grow into godly masculinity. And, and when you mess up, when you sin, even when you let your wife down or you maybe let your family down, you know, repent before them and, and also go to God and say, God, forgive me and do it quickly. Just do it quickly. And ask God for his help because remember, he's the one who formed you. He's the one who will also transform you. And you can do it one day at a time with the help from God.
Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say it with me. It's up on the board. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you guys didn't want to say it. Men, come on, be strong. Say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I feel weird when I read it out loud. Too bad. Come on, be strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Getting it? You don't mind me like nudging you a little bit, do you? Like, like a coach? Yeah. Because I, I, I remember when I, I didn't, I wasn't in football very long as a kid because I just wasn't big enough and I, I found that I got hammered more than it was. It, but, uh, so I, but I was, I was, was playing football originally at the age of seven and eight. I was, it was called peewee football. I remember that's the first time I got called by my last name. Woody, suck it up. Woody, do it. Woody. That's why I'm saying to y'all, men, come on. We can do this. Put that scripture back on the board. Come on, let's do it one more time. Come on. <laughs> Woody's going to do it. We all do it with me. Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jesus went to the cross, and he offers forgiveness, and he offers you also the power and the strength to have victory in your life. You can be an overcomer. You can be transformed. And Jesus displays it best. He was weak on the cross, but he was strong to go to the cross. Do you see that? Because he knew what would happen there, and he knew what it represented. He knew what it would stand for, and he knew that he would transform the way people could become close to God. And he wasn't going to shrink from the adversity, even though there was a temptation to do so. He even said, God, if there's another way to do this, please, because I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. God said, you got to do it. He's like, all right, I'll be strong. You see, because Jesus was on a mission, and he was on a mission to change the world. Jesus was not a wimp. Jesus is very, very strong. And Jesus is my role model. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is the one who gives me strength. And I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's right. Amen. So application. Stay in the Word. Be here tonight. Be at the Holy Spirit uh, workshop. Let the transformation begin. There'll be no looking around right now. Just a moment. First of all, if there are any, anyone in the room, men, women, children, you've never given your life to Christ, you have sin in your heart, you know it needs to be forgiven, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment at the count of three. And in doing so, you're saying, I want to pray a prayer with you, Pastor Tim, because I'm ready for my sin to be forgiven. And as you, when you lift your hand, I'm going to look at you, and I'll, I'll be able to see your hand lifted. I'm going to connect my faith with yours, and we're going to pray together, and you're going to exchange the old from the new, because with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. If that's you, and you need Jesus today. You're ready for your sin to be forgiven. As a count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three, lift it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. I want you to pray these words with me. If you lifted your hand, church, I want you to lift. I want you, to, in fact, I want everybody to stand right now. Come on, stand. Everybody's standing. Believers in this room, several people lifted their hands. I want you to pray these words as a reaffirmation of your own faith right along as, with others as an encouragement. And if you didn't lift your hand, pray this prayer. Pray it out loud and mean it. Dear Jesus, wash me in your precious blood. Please forgive me of my sin. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I thank you for forgiving me. 
Today I'm a new creation. <laughs> Today I am saved. Today my sin is gone. Today I begin to live as a new person. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I want you to receive this prayer. I want you to receive this prayer. Just receive this. In fact, man, would you just you just be willing just to lift your hands up to the Lord or lift your hands out to God and just let God's grace and mercy pour out on you. God, I, I pray for the men of this room, every man who's watching online as well as in this room, that they will be strong. The passivity will not characterize the men of the, of the the men in this church, the men in this room, the men who are watching online. God, I pray for transformation for men. God, I pray that your healing power will be upon the men in this room. Wounds from childhood, wounds from their teenage years, wounds from, from, uh, from relationships gone bad or from failures. God, I pray that you will begin healing right now. Continue it tonight, God. Continue it day by day. Continue. God, let the healing begin. Let it begin today. And God, I pray that you will shape these men. In fact, men, just say, God, shape me. God, shape me. God, strengthen me. God, transform me. Come on, just say that to the Lord. God, strengthen, transform, shape me. God, I pray that these will be men of the Word of God and men who will not fear the culture, but will be strong in the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.